0: And welcome back in another edition, Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Holden. Thank you for making us part of your day. It's a Monday, U.S. Open. I thought it delivered, folks. You're not going to get a leaderboard that is quite uh, filled up like that with the who's who in golf. And it's only fitting, I think it's only fitting that uh, John Rom got his first major championship the age of... 26, I think, no question, right now, the most complete player in the game, and to, to help us break it all down, a guy that's been following John Rahm's career since day one. Welcome back into the podcast, Gary Williams. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great,
1: Travis. It's great to be with you, and great to have the chance to unpack something. It'd be like unpacking after a post-pandemic European vacation. <laughs> I mean, there there is so much that we can get to on this. And I'm with you. The appropriateness of the winner, um, like you just said, I think is right on.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've been watching golf a long time, um, you know, breaking it down, following it closely. I'm not sure about 530 p.m. Eastern when DJ was still there at one under. I don't think I've ever seen a leaderboard like that. I mean, it was the who's who on the first and second page you, you, you see anything like that before a handful
1: of times maybe in my life i i remember there was that stretch there was a stretch you know I'm, I'm older than you there was a stretch there in the 80s uh at the masters where it seemed like every year they would line up like g5s on a runway <laughs> uh you know 86 you know you had the you had the ingredient of nicholas but i mean it was Sevy. it was norman i mean it was nick price i mean it was you know, and, and the same thing kind of happened the following year in 87, but, but as far as the U.S. Open, which the attrition of the setup usually eviscerates, you know, a couple of the top players, when you look to the official world golf rankings and you, and you married it with who was on that first page, um, it's as good as I've seen. And, you know, it's primetime on the East Coast. It's getting to those primetime hours uh it was lined up it's yeah. it's as good as you can ever ask for in a major championship
0: yeah there was some there was some bad golf that was played down the stretch. We'll get to that Kepka surprised me uh dechambeau shot forty four on the back nine for crying out loud um but there was some there was some good golf there was some clutch golf, birdie's on the seventeenth and eighteenth hole doesn't get much better than that, and you know this was uh as John put it, it's kind of a movie type of feel. His history of Tory Pines, of course, both on the course and off. Uh, first Father's Day, first major championship coming off what was just a, an awful situation at the Memorial, being told he has COVID when he's got a six-shot lead going into Sunday. You've you followed John Rahm's entire career, went to ASU, of course, Arizona State, turned pro in 2016. This is now six PGA Tour wins. He's got seven on the European Tour. Speak to John Rahm's growth and maturity as you've seen it since turning pro, coming onto the scene in 2016.
1: Yeah, Travis, I think he's, he's among a very rare breed. I think he has uh, intellectual awareness that, is, uh, that sets him apart because he understands that in order to be memorable, and I mean in terms of the breadth of a career, uh, you have to achieve certain things. And he has made it uh, his, his responsibility almost to go about learning about the historical figures in the game. Um, and I, I think that sometimes, and you know this as an elite instructor, a curious mind doesn't necessarily translate into somebody um, you know, being able to trust the, the repetitive nature of, of putting together important golf swings under the most duress. But I think his curious mind is matched with this this level of gratitude and absence of entitlement that is really extraordinary. Um, and then you and then you you know you put that together with this with this unique set of skills which you just said he's the most complete. I'm with you. Uh, he's already among the best bunker players. Uh, I think that I, I have seen in my time covering the game. Uh, he's got incredible length. He's got a go-to shot uh, in terms of his ability to hit fairways under the most crucial circumstances. He is a generational talent, and and he has spent half of his career already in the top 10. half of his career has been in the top 10 on the best tour in the world. It's amazing.
0: It is amazing. I mean, you, he's got no weaknesses. There's not many guys on tour and even at the top shelf that don't have a weakness. You know, you look at Dustin Johnson, you know, when he's clicking, he's probably one that doesn't have a weakness, but his putter we know can, can really go sour. You know, it can go South and he can, look like one of the worst putters on the PGA tour. JT is very streaky with the putter. We've seen Rory and his struggles uh, with the putter. You know, you look at Rom, I mean, yeah, everybody kind of struggles here and there, but his struggles, the the bottom is not that low. You know, he's always still kind of right there. And i I said many times in the podcast earlier in the year, it's like he's just kind of stuck in neutral. And neutral for him is still top twenties. I mean, he's still, because it doesn't fall that much and he can still get it around. And he had the, the, you know, of course the, the great round Sunday at the masters and he finally got it going at the Memorial on Saturday, Blitzed the back nine. It was the first time you really saw him hitting on all cylinders. And then he just kept it going here um, this week. And it was, uh, it it was fitting, right? I mean, this is what had to happen. John Rom had to come to Torrey Pines after Memorial and, and win this thing, right? That was the only fitting conclusion after the break that he got in Columbus, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think that, and, and, and the reason why I think you're right is that he didn't, he wasn't asking for this. He, he wasn't asking for something that a lot of people thought that he deserved. He not only deflected it, he, he stamped it out. Uh, he, did it, he did it immediately after uh, getting pinged and for the for the positive test with the uh, social media post that he had that Saturday night, uh, there has been no delineation for him on what he has said about his circumstances. Um, and then he he said, you know what, I believe in fate. And and you know what, uh, those two putts will stand up against any two putts, considering he's a right-handed guy with the degree of melt. From from left to right, that he made those two putts, those will stand up. I mean, it's been it's been since eighty two. The winner went birdie birdie to win, and 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 Watson had to chip in and make that downhiller after it was kind of a fait accompli against Nicholas at Pebble. Um, yeah, he was the right guy at the right time.
0: Yeah, yeah, he kind of strikes me too, Gary, as a guy that you know, just putting on my coaching hat here. He he strikes me as a guy that couple things. One, he keeps it, he keeps it very simple and attainable. You know, he's not a guy that has multiple teachers out there with him on the range. And, you know, this entourage following up in practice rounds on, you know, this herd that you see with a lot of players in practice rounds, going up these holes and trying to, prepare for a tournament and and everyone prepares differently but he keeps it very simple and he also looks like he's a guy to me that learns from his mistakes right he he's willing to look at the things that maybe he wasn't right about you go back to the players championship back in 19 and that bunker shot on 11 it was a bonehead play trying to get there and he doesn't he goes in the water he finishes 12th rory wins which we'll get to here in a second but then from there he kind of learns from that <laughs> And he was the best player in the world, really, from that moment on. Went to Europe, won a couple times, the order of merit, comes back, wins a memorial, number one player in the world. And as I mentioned, this year, just he was just kind of stuck in neutral. Had a lot of things going on, of course, with his new baby, getting married, all that. Uh, but he just kind of strikes me as a guy that has a lot of self-awareness and just kind of understands what's happening and learns from mistakes and then just incrementally continues to get better uh, with this – with this maturity and with this growth. And I think we're really just at the beginning here of multiple wins and major championships. It's easy to say that, right? When someone wins, Oh yeah, he's going to win a lot more, but this one with John Rom, he's the complete deal. There's more to come. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, there's, there is more to come. Uh, I don't think that you could, uh, you, don't, you don't look at his game and say he's best suited for, one particular major, I think he's, I think he is equally suited uh, to put it together any of those four weeks. And the the thing that, that, you know, you were talking about, you know, the, the way that he goes about things, there is a, there is no, he has, he has no hesitation from think box to play box. And, and there are very few guys I think at the highest level of the game who possess that. I think DJ by and large, uh has that in his arsenal and I think Kepka uh, is possessive of that I think Rory used to be uh but there is there is a commitment that he has that um that comes from keeping it simple and he goes from uh, game plan thought of game plan to execution of game plan in 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 two beats and that is not only is it refreshing to watch uh it it, it shows you that that you know what I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this right now. And there is an absence of fear or thought when it gets into the play box. That's special.
0: Rapsodo mobile launch monitor, improve your golf swing today. Pro level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with shot tracer, helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data and creates a better practice environment not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com, R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com, rapsodo.com. Yeah. Well, let's go to Rory here next. You mentioned him and, you know, the struggles continue here, you know, on the back nine, late on a Sunday, I I was listening to him talk to the press and for the most part, he was he was very positive about how he thought he played in control. But he's very much in the championship when they make the turn. He he pars ten, and then makes a silly, just silly three putt uh, on eleven, and then he makes a, he makes double on twelve. Right, and when we're talking like a little vanilla chip, probably the easiest short game shot he was faced that you can have. Um, Actually, I think that was on 14. He ended up getting that one up and down. But it wasn't a good shot. There were no. there were multiple situations here. You made the double. You got the bad break in the bunker. But there were multiple situations, Gary, where you're looking at Rory, and here he is down the stretch again. And I don't know. He, is it is it that he just loses focus? To me, it looks like just there's these, still these mental lapses. But are we getting into a situation here where – there's some anxiety here and there's some nerves happening and Rory starting to get in his own head here as this is not the first time we've seen it.
1: I, I think, I think those things are applicable. I, I do believe that there is a, there is an anxiety. Uh, and I think the closer he gets to the hole, uh, it manifests itself like you just said. And I would even go back to 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 the ninth hole uh, because he, he left himself a very straightforward little chip uh, and, and wound up just, you know, blowing it past the hole, was above the hole, had a tentative birdie putt. you got to be below the hole, and that doesn't require something, some deft touch that, that is, you know, reserved for just a handful of players in the game. The other thing is, is that if the other areas, like he missed, he missed three putts inside of 12 feet on the front, His lag putting was very good. He made the one long putt early in the round that you're going on the fourth hole that you're going, all right, it's on. It was on. But if, if at those times that you're not making those particular, you know, really important little shots in small ball, you have to be able to rely on your greatest weapon and his greatest weapon left him on 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 nine where he didn't have a chance to reach it in two on twelve where he had to where he had to play from the, the gunch on the left side and wound up getting himself you know buried with a downhill lie and made double see that's the thing is it if if one area is not going to stand tall then your greatest weapon has got to be the thing that balances it and gives you the equilibrium and he didn't have that and I think that the vortex that he's dealing with to break back through it's getting thicker and we feel it. You felt it. I felt it. Golf. Twitter was feeling it. Um, And I think it's a real thing.
0: Yeah, I do too. I think it's, it's only, I agree. I think it's just building now. And I think at first, I don't know if you could really sense it as much as you can now. Cause I, I I'm with you there on the back nine. You, you could just sense it. You could almost just, I don't want to say expect it, right? But that vanilla little chip shot up the hill. Like I'm thinking to myself, this is this, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, 12 feet short. The shot that you hit on nine, right? He he, he got it above the hole, little vanilla pitch shot. Again, had a good lie. I mean, you say vanilla around Tory Pines, and you're thinking, well, nothing's vanilla around there, but these were these were pretty good situations. He had green to yes. work with. It was in the first cut. The ball was sitting up. The greens, um, you know, let's face it; they weren't like you know crazy lightning fast. I mean, pitching back up the hill, everything was in his favor to get those balls close, and and just nothing came easy. But yet earlier in the week, you saw some really good short game shots where I think he was probably a bit more freewheeling it, and it put him in position. Yeah, it, this is you know, there's the, the there's the technicality that's improved, I think, with Pete Cow, and he certainly seems to be moving in the right direction again but i think the mental state now late in these major championships i agree i think the noise in his head is just getting bigger there's a certain level of anxiety there and it's going to be interesting to see if he can if he can move past that because he's certainly going to have to when you got guys like john Rahm playing the way <clears throat> the way that they are down the stretch bryson the way that he can hit it and then of course there's brooks kepka major championship and he's making a run i want to ask you about brooks And I want to ask you about Bryson. Of course, you know, they've had a a thing or two to say to each other over the last couple of weeks. Bigger surprise, though, of those two, Kepka bogeys two of the last three, including 18, which I was shocked, uh, the par five. He shoots 69, though, T4, and then, or is it Bryson? 77. He shot 44 on the back nine to fall to T26. Bigger surprise as far as the collapse there, Brooks or Bryson.
1: It's Bryson, just because of the how how sensational um, it was. I mean, it was on full display. I mean, it was uh, you know those are rare things. And and I thought you tell me how you felt as all these players who got themselves positioned, making very few errors. And you can add Colin Morikawa to to that list. I mean, even Paul Casey made the cut on the number. I mean, all of a sudden he touched contention. And then he went in the other direction. But of all those players who got themselves lined up, he was making zero mistakes. Had played thirty plus holes without making a bogey. And then when he makes one on eleven, I thought he was going to chip in. You know, he's right of the green. That almost went in. Mm-hmm. So I thought that he was. I thought he was going to win the golf tournament with two hours to play. I, it, it, it's not that I didn't think that Brooks didn't have a chance. You know he makes the he makes a mistake on sixteen uh you know and and he was you know he was that one additional shot back that he did not have any margin at all and then you know by eighteen i was you know I was surprised how clunky he 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 played that hole. I don't know if he checked out uh at all when he hit that bunker shot but but nonetheless, um I'm more surprised with bryson and and I don't think what happened on the back nine you tell me how you feel. blows any holes into his approach his approach got him set up tied to the lead with nine holes to go and he hit it in some unfavorable areas and then turned those into calamities uh but but his his approach and his game plan i I don't have I, i don't blow any holes into it the way he's theorized the way to win the u.s open by what happened on the back nine what do you think
0: no, no, it's not going to change. You know, he didn't, Bryson didn't take advantage of the par fives at all uh, on the weekend. Right. And, and of course he did have a couple, um, situations there. Um, other than that on the back nine, the bogey on 11, bogey on 12. And then of course the quad on 17, but no, this, this is, this is only going to continue, um, the way that, and, and it should, I mean, look, he he's, he it, it looked like the rough was damn near dead by the time on Sunday there, there was, there wasn't much meet to it in, in most places. Now there were in some, but you know, you're hitting it off. And there was a lot of dry patches where he could certainly hit a wedge or a nine from. So I think the game plan um, will only continue. I, I think the question for Bryson Gary, you know, from a technical standpoint, you know, obviously he's got the length where he wants it. And there's a certain level of maintenance that will be needed, I think to keep swinging at those speeds, but his approach game. And I think it's his touch. I think is where now him and his team probably need to figure out what, what do we need to do to be a better approach wedge player in controlling distances. And and I think just overall in his approach game, um, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle really um, starting at the masters, you know, he's losing strokes for the most part with his approach game and that's the most important stat on the PGA Tour. Now if he can get that dialed in, then the way that he drives it and the way that he puts it, I mean, he's going to be unbeatable. But I'm interesting as they sit down is it this need to continue to maintain speed or is it or to continue to build speed or is it hey guys, let's let's maintain that, but we've got to get after this touch, this approach. Um the intangibles of being, I think a better iron player and approach wedge player. So I think it'll be Interesting to see where he goes with that. How do you see that?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, for, for the amount of data, the reams of data that, that his team probably goes through, I don't know how more glaring that particular area uh, of, of himself against everybody else uh, doesn't stick out. And, and it has to. And, you know, you know, that's something that I think that there, there's no doubt. That when you drive it the way that he drove it, you know, for example, on the second hole, um, you know, he's he's got you know 50 yards on a 393 yard hole, and he, if you're not hitting it inside of 10 feet when you're standing in the middle of the fairway, that's a failure. And, and you know, you're as as one of the best players in the world, he he hits too many ordinary ones from from you know, forget 120 from 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 60 to 100 Yeah. And these are these are these are second shots. And and even for example, I thought like yes yesterday, you know, some of these holes, 515, 520, 534, hit wedge into a 534 yard par <laughs> four and didn't hit a good and didn't hit a particularly, you know, good wedge shot. I mean, it was ordinary. Um, that's crazy yeah that's crazy so i'm with you uh he tightens that up i I tell you the other thing that i think is interesting that is a challenge for the usga even though yes you had the likes of russell henley who who you know bulldogged his way to to being you know right there for three days and and you know had obviously a good week but look at from from 16 on and even 15 because dj three putts you know 18 at, at chambers so you know jordan wins but 16 it's DJ 17 18 it's Kepka you know 19 it's Woodland 20 it's Deschambeau and 21 it's Rom this is not the 90s with Lee Jansen and Corey Payton. <laughs> no. you know i mean this is a, this is an interesting time for them as they go to brookline and how they they set up this golf course to not discriminate so much against a traditional us open contender
0: I think that's a valid point. Yeah. Yeah. And even in our shows that we do, you know, for gambling, it was, it was like, it it almost, we were talking like, don't overthink this one. This is a power major championship. Like, and, and, and we referenced the same names that you just did. And, and that list is very short, right? As far as these are the guys that can overpower this type of golf course. Now I think, I don't think Rom overpowered it. I think he had the more complete game, but yeah, the distance is certainly noted for sure when it comes to the U S open, you know, which is a good segue now to, I know you're on Twitter. Some it's probably for you. Like it is me. I have to take it in doses and you know, because it's easy to get on there and just start firing away of all your complaints. And there is a bit of a herd mentality, a uh, Twitter bros, as I like to call it, where they just one chimes in and then they all dig in. And, you know, there was a lot of complaints, Gary, about Tory Pines. A lot of people talking yep. about, yeah, it's too bland. It's it's too boring. A lot of complaints about the coverage, too many m- commercials, not following along with the golf, show this person, show that. I mean, it, there's a lot. It's, 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 it's pretty loud out there. You know, for me, let's let's talk about the course. You know, I don't think Torrey's the best course in the United States. I think it's a very solid course, but I look at and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, I'm watching this leaderboard coming in. I think the USGA and the way that they've been going about things over the last twelve years, they've taken some bumps. You know, they've they've had some spills, and I, and the U.S. Open to me, Gary. It doesn't it there, it went through a stretch there where it didn't feel like the US Open when I was a kid. To me, the US Open was number one for me when I was a me kid too. growing up. And I think they fell off of that. I think they lost their identity. I think they've kind of gotten back to their roots. And I think this was another positive step forward. Tory Pines was fine. Look at the leaderboard down the stretch. I think NBC does a great job with it. Um, and the way that it's kind of produced, taking us back to our youth and re-energizing that um a little bit so i i feel like it was a positive from that standpoint but yet a lot of twitter and these twitter bros man they're jumping on this course sucks the coverage da da how do you see it
1: uh i think the golf course is uninspiring from a, from a, a, a an optic standpoint as somebody who's just watching i've never never been there i've never played the golf course um but but you know, a lot of this has to do with, you know, the theater that was created in 2008. Uh, you know, they, they, I, I have pretty vivid memories of that week. And, and you know, outside of him, I don't know how riled up people were getting for Robert Carlson. Um, but, but you know, Tiger, because of those those just iconic moments, he pulled the sled. And so it's like, OK, we win. We win. Tory's a winner. And, and, yeah, there's nothing you can say. It's one of the great, most memorable U.S. Opens you could ever have. So I was very curious to see how, you know, they validated the skin. Well, in the absence of Tiger, what they got was that the top players in the world lining up with nine holes to go. And you sprinkle in the, 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 the great U.S. Open stories that you hope to get, that everyone gets romantic about, like, you know, like Richard Bland and and even a Russell Henley and you know even Guido for that matter yeah. uh, who's now going to be in the masters. Um, I think that the, the golf course and the setup that was permitted uh, to to be undertaken by the USGA they proved that that Tory Pines works. Now again, does it does it wow me? No. Is it on my list of places to play? No. But it won again it mm-hmm. it you you it's undeniable. And I think what's gonna be interesting, Travis, is when they go to LA North in a couple of years, uh in 23, that is gonna be very boutique for all the challenges that came with Marion in 2013. LA North is right there. I mean that is I mean, you're t- you're taking a right off of Wilshire Boulevard. I mean, it's 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 right in the heart of Los Angeles, and I think it's cool that it's gonna happen. I, I think that there's going to be some infrastructure issues. I, I but but if that place holds up and that's you know checks the winning box, I think the P, the Pardon me. The USGA is then in an interesting position to where are they tightening the reins on their rotation? Are they going to feel the responsibility of the public facility or their municipal golf course uh, to be in that rotation over the course of you know a ten-year period? I don't think necessarily that they they're they're thinking that way. And then as far as the coverage, I think we have to remember something. You like me carve out a lot of hours to watch this. As does Twitter golf. And when it's time to pick up a pitchfork, boy, they're ready and they're ready with their torches uh, to pounce. Not everybody's watching 12 hours of golf. You know, I mean, and and th- are there are there things that I would like. To see improved on a on a broadcast, sure you always want to get better, but I mean I think we got to remember these people are watching ten hours of golf. Mm -hmm. I mean, and here's the other thing about NBC or CBS or ESPN. This is a business that they have to sell inventory, and they've got a partner in the USGA. And for anybody who says, well, you know, Fox was footing more than half the bill. Okay, so what? You know how much money these networks have hemorrhaged over the last, you know, year and a half because of this pandemic. I mean, this this is an opportunity, and and I there were shots that I wanted to see that I didn't get to see, and it's not perfect. Um, but I I'm not going to pick up a pitchfork every time that a shot is plausibly live. This is one of the, the, the more challenging sports to cover, uh, and and anybody who says it isn't has never been in a production truck when the box has been hot and the light goes red. It is really, really challenging.
0: Yeah. You know, it just feels like, and I don't know this to be true, you know, obviously to broadcast the PGA tour is not a cheap endeavor and it's only the price for that admission to do that is only increasing. And it, it does feel like maybe the combination of that with, the lingering Fox situation and contractual stuff that they had to pay for, you know, that it does feel like the commercials have just been a little bit overloaded. So I don't know what the balance is. No doubt.
1: No doubt. I, 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 I agree with you um, that there was, there was commercial inventory that seemed like there was an an overabundance Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, I'm I'm not, I'm not denying that. Uh, But I also think that we do get, we get fatigued from that because I don't know how much how many hours you watch. <laughs> I watch too much. I mean, <laughs> I, I watch virtually every single hour. Um yeah. and I, I I wonder though, and I've got a lot of friends who love golf, who play a lot of recreational golf, who did not devote six, seven, eight, ten hours to this. They made sure that they got in front of the television with, you know, two, three hours to go. And when you get an hour free. Of of commercials at the end, I think a lot of people probably were, if not modestly satisfied, maybe even completely satisfied. And I think we have to remember that balance between. And I love them because you know we need them. We need these people who are you know waking up and putting on live from, and they're not going to sleep until Rich Lerner says, and we're proud to be live from the U.S. Open. And that just puts a bow on. 15 hours of golf consumption mm-hmm. for, for golf, Twitter.
0: <laughs> uh, 15 hours. I was, uh, well, I wasn't 15, but I was probably in the eight, <laughs> nine, 10 range. You know, there's I'm, three me names. Too. Me too. When, when the U S open, these majors, you know, the, these people that we're talking about, they get introduced to names that they hadn't heard before. And there, and there's three guys from Europe over the last two weeks that, uh, it's been fun because I, I do watch. Speaking of hours watching golf, I do watch the European Tour uh, as well in the morning, as yep. uh, my wife will remind me of often. Um, and this Guido kid Miggliozzi, Italian, he's cool. I mean, he he's he he's a very good player. I'm not surprised at all um, to see him finish T four. Another guy that made the cut, uh, Wilco Niedermayer from. South Africa, I think is probably the longest hitter in professional golf right now. It was fun to, to see him on display. And, uh, and then Gary Kigo last week, he missed yep. the cut. The lefty who's won three times on the European tour. He's only 23 years of age. You know, those are three names that people got to see. And I'm glad because I love the, the sprinkle of the European tour and other names that we normally are not going to talk about, you know, I think this Robert McIntyre is interesting as far as he hits it. uh, Another lefty, you know, people know, um, they know of Joaquin Neiman, right? He plays on the PGA tour um, often, but they don't know about these other guys. So it was fun to, to see them come over and really, and perform and and entertain because at Palmetto, not only did I have the 47 to one ticket for Higo to win, Yes. Matt, I just love watching that kid play. I mean, he is, there's something about him. I think Guido has that same thing. Um, I think Niederbar has that same kind of must watch when he hits the driver. So the game is, um, it's in great shape. It really is. Golf continues to win John Rom winning on father's day, only seemed fitting. And now we turn the corner. We got the Travelers championship. We got the open championship. Any final words as we, uh, look to the the last major championship of the year
1: yeah I think that um, just a, a quick thought on those those guys you just mentioned I was at Congaree I followed uh Wilco and and Garrick they were paired together on Saturday um, Wilco is a different species I've not seen something like that uh you know he he got to 200 ball speed at Congaree uh there is a there is a an absence of violence in his golf swing that Mm -hmm. you're like, I I don't, I just, it's, it's remarkable. Uh, Higo's got more polished. He obviously is more complete right now uh, than, than, than Wilco is. Um, So I, am with you. I I think that's great for the American audience to get the internet global audience to get an introduction uh, of them last week to some degree. And then obviously on the, on the huge stage this week, you know, I, I think, my thought as, as I leave you here is that, you know, for, for the concern about the absence of separation between the major championships when the, the PGA moved to May, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. I, I think that golf maintains momentum and, and navigates the NBA playoffs and the dog days of Major League Baseball. Uh, really, really well, and I think from April, May, June, and now July with the Open, um, I'm a believer, and I'm all in on the schedule of the major championships being in this condensed amount of time. You you, you stay lit, and and that's not just us, because we're never going to disengage, but I think that most golf fans are, are not turning their backs on the game. It's like, oh, wow, the, the Open's in a week, mm-hmm. and I like it. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got the Travelers this week. Uh, Bryson's yep. playing. Dustin's playing. He's a defending champ. Cantlay's there. Finau. Scheffler. Brooks field.
1: By the way, let me ask you this quickly. There's a flyer. Uh, Scheffler, can he make the U.S. Ryder Cup team without winning a golf tournament? I, I mean, the guy, you seventh in the U.S. Open. This guy is just plowing the field.
0: And I guess right. I mean, I don't look. I, I think if you if you look at the course and you look at the team and you look at the player and the skill set matches, then why not? Why not? I'm with you. I think he can. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. It, it's it's a tough one. That you have to kind of take a step back and think for a second. But it's at the end of the day in the Ryder Cup, if they fit the team room and they have the skill set for the course that they're going to play, right? Then I'm in. If that guy has a better skill set than that guy and he hasn't won yet. I don't think it matters. I, I I'm I'm trying to put the best players and skill sets in that room to jail. Yep. Which will just be fascinating to see this how that works out with the Bryson and Brooks. Who knows how much that's played up, which I think it is. But um yeah, I mean the Ryder Cup is is coming up. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Travelers has got a great field. Then you go to Rocket Mortgage, which I thought they did a great job there in Detroit. Yep. Um, a couple of years back. Bryson defends. Then the John Deere course has its hit spot um as they get prepared for the open championship at Royal St. George. Then you come back the 3M Open um, with the, let's see, the Olympics, and of course, is in the last week of July. Then you got another FedEx WGC championship there at TBC Southwind, which I think is one of the more underrated golf courses. They play. Um, I'm a big fan of Southwood and then the Wyndham in its spot. And then we do the the three uh, playoffs, taking us to your point, the first week of September before the uh, you know, the 10,000 pound gorilla takes over the NFL. Yeah. So I like it. It's I, I like staying lit like this. There's a lot to talk about. We're right in the midst of it right now, and um it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to follow 12 hours a day in front of our TV and handheld. <laughs> Gary, I appreciate it, man. it um, been fun listening to you on the radio, too. Keep up uh, the great work.
1: Well, I'll tell you, just a little quick plug. Tomorrow we're going to premiere this special, uh, and it's about those guys who introduced themselves as professionals a couple of years at Travelers. Uh, Justin Sugg has not mm. you know, accomplished what, what Kyle Morikauer, Victor Hovland, and Matthew Wolf have. But this is a special talking to people who have covered them, people who coached them at the college level um, and them, themselves. Uh, that's a special on Sirius XM on PGA Tour Radio tomorrow on
0: Tuesday evening. Uh, look forward to that. It's been fun listening to you there. And thanks for uh, coming back on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Okay. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting-edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels visit encoregolf.com backslash travis fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game now back to the stripe show